0: Today we're going to take on a simple question, which is what can you do when your heart is aching, when you are in pain, especially if you'd rather be doing something else, but there's no way that you can avoid what's real, which is that you're hurting. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. First, just a reminder that Relationship Alive is my offering to you to help you have the Best Possible Relationships. So if you're finding the show to be helpful for you or someone you love, please consider a donation to help support Relationship Alive and our mission. Every little bit counts, and to choose something that feels right for you, just visit neilsatin.com support or text the word support. To the number three three four four four, and follow the instructions. And this week, I would like to thank Michelle, Joseph, Ruthana, Holly, Marie, Timothy, Marcel, Karina, and Angie. Thank you all so much for your generous and, in some cases, ongoing contributions to the podcast. Also, if you are looking for help with your communication, then please download my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. These are the kinds of things that will are simple to do and they will help you stay connected no matter how challenging the topic is that you're Addressing with your partner. Um, it's not guaranteed success, but it will give you the best chances at handling things that are challenging gracefully. Uh, to download the free guide, just visit neilsatin.com relate. Or you can text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And lastly, just a reminder that we have a free Facebook group. On Facebook, where you can join other people who listen to Relationship Alive as we create a safe space for you to chat about whatever's going on with you and your relationships. So uh, that's the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. Hope to see you there. All right, let's get on with the show. <music> Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Today we're fortunate to have a return visit from a favorite guest from the past. His name is Guy Finley, and he is an internationally renowned spiritual teacher and the best-selling author of the book, The Secret of Letting Go, as well as 45 other books and audio programs. ...that have sold the whole world over. Uh, in In our most recent conversation with Guy, we were discussing his book Relationship Magic, which is subtitled Waking Up Together... ...which is all about the ways that we continually come back to love in order to connect with our partner... ...and how to get past the kinds of patterns that block us or hold us back... When we're in relationship with our beloved. So today we're going to dive deeper into relationship magic. And initially, I was thinking that we might spend some time on um, around the topic of how to make a fresh start, because that is so often the challenge, right? In relationship where you are. Dealing not only with what is happening right in front of you in the moment, but with the history that you share with your partner, the history that you bring into the relationship, and potentially the accumulation of hurts or uh, transgressions or ways that uh you wish you you wish your partner were showing up for you or maybe you're feeling the weight of how you wish your uh you were showing up for your partner how your partner wishes you were showing up for them there I got it out um i'm also <laughs> going to be candid with you that today my my heart is a little hurting and uh, aching and uh so i think that all of this is going to come into the mix and I'm really excited to have Guy with us today. If you are interested in a transcript of today's episode, you can visit neilsatin.com slash magic2. That's the word magic and the number two. Or as always, you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And the reason why this episode is magic2 is my first episode with Guy. Our first episode together was or uh, neilsatin.com slash magic. So uh, here we are to continue the conversation. Guy Finley, it's so great to have you here with me today.
1: Thank you, Neil. I'm, I'm uh, happy to be with you, too. I remember fondly our first conversation, and I know we'll have a meaningful dialogue together today.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm always excited when people want to come back and I'm super excited when it's after having had an amazing conversation like the first one that we had. So I definitely encourage you l- listening to go back and check that episode out. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, you, you were sitting there on the other end hearing my introduction and, uh, I have some thoughts about where I might like to start. And Guy, I'm wondering, is there something in particular that that spoke to you as we started to dive into our conversation together?
1: Well, you know, we can look at, and we will, I'm sure, specifics. But I think that one of the main points, at least in our last conversation, and as we'll recover and uncover again today today, we we all have a very uh, distinct responsibility for how we feel. Our tendency is to be almost completely outwardly oriented, meaning that our sense of self is virtually in the hands of those that we are with, around, or consider. And depending on the moment of that consideration, uh, so goes the feeling we have of ourself. And I think that we have to marry this idea. Uh, I have a way of expressing it, Neil. <clears throat> and you might want to write this down, listeners, because it it gives us a much broader view of our experience of relationships, relationships. Uh, Notwithstanding, uh, how do I say this? Without diminishing the significance <clears throat> of individual ones, here it is: as goes my as goes my attention, so comes my experience. As goes my attention, so comes my experience. I'm sitting here in Southern Oregon. It's a fairly uh, overcast fall day. The ground on my property is 100% covered with leaves. I know there's grass underneath it, but it's just a, a carpet of leaves. And looking out the window and watching the birds and the leaves and all that nature brings about, I give my attention to the beauty of this fall day. And my experience follows. My attention goes to uh, a massive buck. It's the rut season here. Uh, And so these beautiful, massive bucks are chasing the does. And I can feel in that buck, this incredible natural strength, really power. And I'm lucky. Forgive me if I wax on too long here, (laughs) because I've 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 hand raised uh, like eight generation of deer here, not in the sense of being with them every single day, but most of them know me and I can hand feed them. So I'm able to be very close to these powerful creatures as goes my attention. So comes my experience. Now, we get that when it comes to nature. It's why we like mountain vistas ocean views, beautiful sunsets, colorful fall, because the experience we have is inseparable from what we're attending to in the moment. <clears throat> you following me, Neil?
0: Yes, of course.
1: So now, though, when it comes to our relationships, we have to make a little deeper connection, and that is that my attention goes on to something From my past something I just lost something that hurts and I can't help but believe that there's no choice for me but to feel the things that I am and here's the key being given to feel by where my attention has been taken and in this instance it's a very key idea in nature I give my attention to things that are beautiful because I love the experience of knowing the beauty within me that I can see outside of me. When it comes to our relationships with other human beings, whether it's a husband, a wife, someone on the street, whatever the case may be, that in those moments I have to understand, especially if I'm suffering. That my attention has been taken and placed on something that while it may have occurred is no longer occurring. It's literally in the past. And the experience that I'm being given because my attention goes on to something painful, sorrowful, is because I don't recognize yet that I have a certain complicity with those kind of moments where my contentment seems to be taken from me, but in truth, I'm giving it away. So I just want to get this broader picture in mind so that we understand that we are never powerless in the face of some painful moment in a relationship, but rather we don't understand where our true power lies, which is to possess our own attention and use the moments where our attention wants to be taken to change the kind of human being we are through that relationship in the moment. Then, as we change, everything about our life changes as well.
0: There's so much to to go from from what you were just saying. Um, And you know on the on the show i often talk about the reality of of how you feel in the moment and that there are ways that if you try to just kind of gloss over how you're feeling and what's coming up for you um that you could end up doing a lot of damage to your relationship and this comes up more often than not i think when people are in a in a state of trigger, they're like really angry or really scared, and um, so and then they're trying to interact with each other from that place. Um, but right. when you're operating from your your fight, flight, or your freeze place, um, it's rare that something good can come of that. So I usually invite people to like give it to give attention to what is happening within them. And so, you know, as luck would have it, um, I'm, I'm taking in your words as goes my attention. So comes my experience and recognizing yes. that my attention is, um, goes so clearly to this experience of my heart aching. And as you were describing your, the the world outside your window there, um, I was gazing out my window here at the, the urban landscape that, um, is right outside. And what I noticed more than anything is the quality of the, the autumn light, this like really, um. Well, the words that are coming to me are words like stark, this like stark yellow light. And Uh and I love the quality of that light. If I always feel like the world looks so much more clear to me and and (laughs) and it is like a spotlight trained on. The the state of feeling that I'm experiencing in this moment
1: yeah and and we we're going to unwrap all of this because uh, like you especially uh in the fall and i don't know exactly why maybe it's because the angle of the sun uh creates a different uh frequency or i don't know exactly what it is but at certain times uh it's it's almost I don't know if there's such a word, rapturous. There's just a, uh, <clears throat> uh, such a unique feeling that one derives from that light. Now, taking pains to look at that, is the unique feeling in the light itself? Or is the unique feeling a relationship between that light coming from the sun And the parts of myself in which it is reflecting. This is key. And the answer is, it's because it stirs in my consciousness a quality or a character that I would never know were it not for that moment of relationship and where my attention is in that same moment. So we're building an understanding here. That moments like those are so precious to us, if they are, because they are first awakening in us parts of our own consciousness that otherwise we don't have access to, so that the moment of that light is the same as the realization of a level of our own consciousness that without the light we can't experience so we get that and we love it and we want to give our attention to that light to that buck to the to the leaves whatever it may be for what it seems to give to us in the same moment but now listeners neil let's turn it around let's say i'm faced for whatever reason not with the additional beauty the extra fulfillment of something in myself by a relationship with nature around me but let's flip it around and say suddenly I seem to be filled with a sense of loss I seem to be uh, uh, in 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 a hole somewhere because I can't take my mind off of what someone did or didn't do, what he said, what she didn't follow through with, any of those conditions. And what we have to understand, if we're willing to, is that it's the same principle in action. What the moment is bringing to me is a revelation of an aspect of my own consciousness In this instance, that seems not to be fulfilled, but rather seems to be taken from me, something precious. And this is where, for me, the rubber meets the road. If, in fact, a moment comes along and I'm filled with, whatever, anger, fear anxiety, trepidation, a mixture of all of those things. My usual reaction is to look at the event that I hold responsible for the revelation. She didn't this, he did that. And when we look at the moment, the person, the problem, as the reason for the revelation... We ignore the fact of what it is that's being revealed in us by that moment. So that I'm saying that these unwanted moments, as opposed to wanted ones, are every bit as valuable, if not more valuable. Because those moments that we don't want are because something is being revealed in our consciousness that believes one way or another it is only as good and valuable and capable of contentment as is the condition outside of it responsible for its momentary appearance. Which is why, by the way, we become so dependent, so attached. It never really dawns on us how this attachment grows. And I'm not saying, Neil, you know, I'm not that we don't fall in love, that we don't have attachments. I've been married for 40 years and every God only knows why blue moon. Somehow I have this dream that she's not the same person that she's not as attentive or caring. And I wake up in that dream from a certain kind of sorrow that doesn't exist without the dream. But I realize that the dream is in fact a revelation of a level of attachment that I'm not conscious of. So I'm not denigrating the relationship. I'm not even saying there's anything wrong, in quotes, with that attachment. What I am saying is that there's something far more right for me as a man, a human being, in realizing that where there is attachment, there is dependency. Where there's dependency, there's inevitable sorrow and fear. And to understand that doesn't take from us the richness of the loss of something. To me, it enriches the moment because it allows me to tap into, become conscious of parts of myself that were it not for that moment, I would never know the extent to which I am attached, dependent, and therefore, uh, my back to the opening comment, therefore, now I get it. My attention is going to the attachment, not to the beauty of what I may have had or do have, but to the fear of loss and primarily the fear of having lost myself because someone else did what they did. Mm -hmm. And we can see that in scale, in every relationship we have with life, not just with husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, relationship with money, relationship with health. All of these aspects of our consciousness that we have become unknowingly attached to and therefore demanding that they remain in place so that should something shift and suddenly we don't know who we are anymore, I would argue, even as painful as it may be, that that's a very special kind of revelation serving a very special kind of realization that without it we would never know the extent Extent of where we have handed over our life to something outside of us.
0: Hmm. Okay. So I feel like, there. yeah, I feel like you're getting to, you're teasing my next question in a way because sure. Um. And and it, as you were as you were talking about attachment in particular, it wasn't lost on me that your your big book is called The Secret of Letting Go. Um, so I was thinking about like, okay, like I think I, I think I have a sense of where we're headed here, but, um, uh, I wonder, yeah, I wonder what the next step is. So, so, um, and there, there are actually two little, two little pictures that are unfurling from this particular moment for me. One is being, let's say the person who's feeling, the heartache or feeling the result of the attachment feeling the anger the fear the right. the, the shame Betrayal. the injustice all of that yeah. yes all that. Yeah. so th- one question is like great this is being revealed to me what do i do so that's question number 1 question number 2 in particular relates to relationship because um I do believe that, that there are some experiences that you just can't have without being in relation to something. And that's why it's important to not feel like you have to work out all your stuff before you get into a relationship with someone. Cause no matter what, yeah. it's gonna, they're gonna stir things up in you. And, and there are things you can't quote unquote fix until you are faced with them in relationship. Um, however, yes. What if you're in relationship and you're in a practice of realization around all these uh, challenging states of feeling and consciousness, but your partner isn't in that, isn't operating from that place. So, so the more that you uh, lean into the realization of the reality of what's happening in that moment, your partner leans more into wanting you to fix, wanting you to change, wanting you to be other than who you actually are, because they're convinced that you need to change something in order to fix their experience. So they're, right. they're two connected, but somewhat divergent questions. Um, Where do you feel inspired to dive in first?
1: I want to be very clear. When we fall in love, uh, we have a passion. We fall in love and have that passion for someone or something because at the onset of that relationship we are privileged through that person or that condition to go through what that relationship alone awakens in us because of the unique elements that have converged in that relationship to this day my wife has a certain smile (laughs) if you just say the word TJ (laughs) Maxx I swear to God (laughs) and I'm very conservative I don't you know I I could wear the same clothes for 50 years and if they didn't fall off my back I would still be doing it Uh, that's just what she she just she loves fashion she's a spiritual woman (laughs) but she just (laughs) she just loves fashion so Even though I I wish that she didn't, uh, it tickles me when I see her smile. I know before she's even going out (laughs) where she's going because there's a gleam in her eye. So I would never know were it not for that quirky part of my wife, that little quirky feeling. But now we have to turn it around, because to the same extent that I am introduced and fulfilled, made whole in a way, because what is she showing me in those moments other than something I don't know about myself and can't feel without her? The converse holds true, Neil. I can't know there are parts of me that are selfish, that can't listen, that are impatient, that want to be left alone. I can't know those parts of me without her, without relationship, with something. And where my work is, I think, quite different from most others is that I say that we must learn to first understand the significance of those revelations that are so unwanted. And rather than continue to blame the relationship, the person, or the predicament for the pain inherent in realizing these are parts of my consciousness that I am asleep to, to be thankful for being awakened. Because the same integration that takes place when she awakens in me a wish to sacrifice, a willingness to go past myself and put her first, that same gratitude must appear when I am integrated, awakened to those parts of myself that I would avoid at all costs if I could, were it not for love that uses my wife to awaken me to these limitations and that uses me for my wife to awaken her to her limitations to serve a greater love Then either of us can know without each other, whether high or low, light or dark, all serving a greater relationship that love puts human beings together for, so that through those revelations, wanted and not, the man or woman can begin to become an integrated being. No longer living in unseen conflict with parts of him or herself because the image that he has of himself or herself won't allow the fact of these aspects of limitation in our consciousness so that that level of consciousness buries these things. But a stone under the ground weighs as much as one above so that those moments are invitations Neil, as painful as they are to realize that there's no way any relationship can go forward as long as there is attachment and dependency that forms the seed of limitation so that without these limitations revealed by my partner or by my partner leaving me or my partner hurting me, whatever my partner may have done, That moment is the revelation of a limitation in me. It's not their limitation. And even if it is, I must still thank them. I don't mean to jump way off board here, but (laughs) this is the interior meaning of what Christ meant by love thine enemies. Because in those moments, without my wife, my husband, the guy on the street, the person tailgating me, the financial thieves that are breaking the country, without all of that taking place, I would never know the enmity, the violence, the anger, all of the things that so conveniently blame people and places and situations outside of me so that those characteristics can continue living in the dark of our consciousness not my consciousness not neil's consciousness not my wife's consciousness in consciousness that we are the instruments of and that are intended to be developed by the action of love revealing to us what only love can high and low light and dark
0: can i can i make this a little more personal
1: Anything, Neil, you know that man
0: <laughs> okay um, let's let's just start with something that like doesn't have say a lot of charge to it, so um often I use the dishes, but let's let's forego the dishes, let's talk about the laundry, and I'm wondering like <laughs> what if? You know what? A hypothetically speaking, guy like let's say you are someone who habitually, you know, takes off your clothes and you just kind of drop them wherever, and that you know it could be the the bedroom floor, could be the bathroom, could be the living room. It's wherever they and they end up, kind of all about. And right. your and your wife, with whom you've been for forty years, comes in and says to you you're 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 blissfully working on your next book and she says guy i I can't handle this anymore your clothes are everywhere you're so lazy we've talked about this at least once a month for the past 40 years is it going to be another 40 years of us having this same conversation about your goddamn clothes being all over the place, I can't even think straight
1: <laughs> oh, and we know that happens, don't we of course it's maybe it's not the laundry, maybe it's not the dishes that you think someone else will clean up for you. could be anything the way you park the car in the garage
0: right, or it so, could be something so, more serious, like I can't believe you slept with that person th- three years yeah, yeah, ago yeah, of course. Right, I'm still thinking about that. How could you? Yeah. How will I ever trust you of again?
1: Of course. And so the question is, what do what 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 do what does one do? Yeah. In those moments, yeah, are, are, as the one offended or the one being offended, as the offender or the
0: one being offended. Well, it's debatable (laughs) which is which in that circumstance. (laughs) It's debatable, but... Because
1: because we have to ask a pretty big question here.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, what's the difference between the two? In in this instance, let's just say that... uh, Let's say I I do throw my clothes around.
0: Right, and just so you know, listening, I, I can see guys living room and there are no clothes anywhere so this was strictly hypothetical
1: of course but even if they were and my wife had asked me in innumerable times to clean them up then I cannot blame her she wants order not chaos and if I don't honor my wife's wish, then I have to understand that she and I have a major difference. She's asked me first nicely. She's become upset over it. And yet there's something in me that just will not do what it is she needs done. She's not asking me to lose 50 pounds. She's saying Take your laundry and put it away. So there's an irreconcilable difference, Neil. Her character and my character have something that is in conflict with each other. If I don't change, she will, because she can't help herself, I might add, See this. This goes to something so much deeper. I I just. I'm. I know everybody wants it simple. Can I get upset? Can my. I'll turn it around. Can my wife get upset with me in a manner that's. Would you agree that if someone loses their temper with you because you have a sock on the floor, that that would be called a tempest in a teapot?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some context that makes it less of a teapot, like for instance, 40 years of having had the same conversation over and over again, but
1: I understand, but but that's the definition of insanity, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Perhaps. I mean, I think No, it is. Well,
1: it it she I she, I, ins- I insist I insist I insist. So, here's this uh, uh ir- 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 a a force in one direction meeting a, a force in another direction and it's not moving. Got it. So, so that, that is the insanity. If, if see, here's what we don't want to get into, Neil. If I've asked my wife 50 times over 30 years, not to do something and she keeps doing it, then at some point I have to recognize that the pain that appears in those moments is not going to go away by making her into what I need her to be. So at that point, I either understand that's how she is, and it's a small battle. It's very small in the scheme of things. But now to my point, something in me wants to make it moment- uh, huge. And here's what I'm getting at. It never dawns on any of us, for the most part, that no one picks a fight with anyone else unless prior to the fight they pick, they are in pain. It's a section in my book. Pain picks the fight, not the person. So that here's something in my wife rubbed raw over 40 years that she is unable to reconcile and let go of the fact that this is just part of a character. I love him more than I care about his socks. But pain, my attention goes to the context of the condition, which is I've asked him for a hundred years, he won't change, instead of realizing that what's not changing in that moment is me. I'm the one who won't let go of the insistence that he be jumping through the hoop I want him to jump through about socks. (laughs) What's more important, his socks and underwear or that I have something in me that gets set on fire when I see it? Because if we can learn to ask the important question, what in God's name is this pain I'm in over some peculiar aspect of my partner that I've asked kindly, I've lost my temper, I've threatened to leave, but it doesn't change. So either get up and walk out or walk away from those parts of yourself that are captured by that conflict every time the context reappears in your mind. So that's the first thing, Neil. When my wife, God bless her, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, we've never raised our voices at each other in 40 years. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that over 40 years, she hasn't said unkind things. But for whatever reason, by the grace of the work that I've done, I never react to unkindness with unkindness. I use her unkindness to allow whatever is kicked up inside of me to show me whether or not there's something factual in her unkind statement because we can't tell the difference because when somebody attacks us, all we see and feel is the attack instead of realizing there may be something in us producing the pain they're experiencing and that we need to deal with in ourselves. But if my first reaction is rejection, I'm not just rejecting my wife, I'm rejecting the revelation that's necessary and that if I could see it, she might change herself as well. So what I do is when she has said something unkind is I never bring it up. I wait sometimes two days I wait until she's no longer in that consciousness. And then I will simply say to her, sweetie, do you remember we were walking down the driveway and you brought up that thing? I I just want you to know that uh, there's no value in bringing that up. It hurt. I'll deal with what I can, but to, to bring it up, it's just useless. And then because she is the kind of woman she is, She will not react to that or on the spot. She'll say, you know what? I knew it when I said it and I'm sorry. And then it's not, I'm sorry because you got mad at me. I'm sorry because you allowed me to see something in myself that I could have never seen if you just rejected and resisted the comment. And then love is doing what love is meant to do, which is develop the two people that love has brought together into a better representation of what love is. So I hope that clarifies some of what you asked. But I'm going to deal with something you didn't ask if you'd like.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: What in God's name do I do with this pain? Mm -hmm. How do I go forward from here? What's going to happen? I feel like my heart was stolen out of my chest and the only one that I can look at and in essence blame and feel betrayed by is the person my husband my wife my business partner who stole from our business that we started as best friends I mean God Neil life is nothing but an endless series of uh uh, successive conditions where we find ourselves with our mouth open wide going what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? What? Totally. Uh, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the answer is the last answer we want, but the only answer that brings an end to the unconscious continuation of the pain. Someone says something, it hurts. Someone steals from me. Someone betrays me. It's heartbreaking. I gave this person 30 years of my life. I did everything I knew how to do to be the best, most um uh, complying person I could so that this person could grow. And then they turn around and there's they're 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 bad talking to me. Or worse, they steal. The pain is undeniable. I feel like I'm dying. No human being doesn't go through that. And this will really throw you, and the luckiest of us go through that death more times than we want. And the reason I say the lucky of us go through that, though I would that the cup would pass from my lips, I don't want to drink from that cup. It's bitter, has no future, everything that seems to have been built has been destroyed. But the moment where it feels like I'm dying is in fact a moment where something in me is intended to die. Not go on as the one who was betrayed, full of bitterness, ever wondering why, thinking someday I'll get even or he or she will come back and then they'll see how wrong they were. How oh my God, I mean, the story is, is endless because all of us are an expression of a consciousness living it. But to understand, and then to quietly sit back within oneself and let what the moment has come to do be done. Because then the man or woman who exits that moment where some idea they had about themselves, some image, an attachment, a plan, a dream, when the whole thing just goes belly up, we look at the condition and we say, that's what went belly up. No, that's not what went belly up. What died was a part of myself that I was so identified with that when the conditions no longer are in place to perpetuate the dream, I feel like it's me that has died, and it's not I who have died, but a dream and the dreamer. And there I sit, stark naked, quite literally, in the present moment, with what seems like nothing, because my attention only knows how to be given unconsciously, To something that if I had my choice, I wouldn't give my attention to it. But I'm drawn like a moth to the flame to feel these unwanted feelings instead of recognizing, sweet God, what is it in me that keeps going and revisiting a feeling that I don't want? And then out of the unwanted feeling, building a dream or a plan or some future where momentarily I'm consoled when I'm not meant to be consoled by that moment, I'm meant to be changed through it. Mm -hmm. That's called conscious suffering, not unconscious, useless suffering. And if I can understand the difference in it, it's impossible that when I am called to return to that pain, revisit, think about, relive, I don't re-anything. I allow the moment to show me I don't know who I am without somebody else. I don't know who I am without that plan that was so intimately connected to your presence and your participation. And now you're gone. God, the whole thing's come undone. I'm probably going to lose everything now. Because that's how deeply involved that dream is. It goes on without a person knowing it. And then instead of being thankful, which I know is hard to do, Neil, please don't misunderstand me. Nobody says, oh, at least not for the longest time, but I promise you one day it's true. Even in the midst of the pain, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, the divine. For delivering me into a moment that I could have never even known I needed to be delivered into, let alone what I will be delivered from that I didn't know I needed to be delivered from. Attachment, dependency, enabling trying to keep everything in place, not so that the relationship stayed in place, but so that my person who I'm familiar with isn't suddenly thrown out and into a prison someplace. This is a completely different context for our consciousness, Neil. I know you can hear and feel what I'm saying, but this is what we have to get to if we want to use these moments that come where we reject them instantaneously and instead of rejecting them understanding in that moment the suffering isn't in the condition it's in my attachment to a part of myself i didn't know was there and that i'm going to be much better off without once it's allowed to pass to
0: die and do you have some helpful hints about how to how to engage in that process i the concept makes sense to me and and it you know in what you were saying, I was hearing like the literal question of what is this what is this pain pointing to in me that needs to die that needs to that I need to let go of um, right and i 'm just wondering if there's yeah if there 's a process there that you find helpful to help people engage in that because it it can can be so easy to like get kind of a quick answer to that question and then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Next. And then the moment comes. Yeah, I understand. And and that's wonderful, Neil. That's, that's quite insightful. Because the last thing that I want to do is paint this as a, a rosy picture when we're in some kind of pain because our partner has gone left instead of right or maybe just disappeared. So I do not want to uh, make light at all of what is essentially a a kind of a mini dark night of the soul. Yeah. The question, what do I do with this pain? How do I process it? Begs without the person asking the question, begs the question, well, I therefore must be different than this process. I must be something other than the pain in this moment. And that which is other than the pain in this moment wants to know what to do with the pain so it can get past the pain in the moment. And no such thing exists. A person who has cancer, a person who's an addict, at some point comes to grips with the fact this is what is. I am not empowered to change the pain of the revelation. The revelation has in it its own clarity about a set of conditions that one way or another have come to teach me something about myself. I haven't been thrown into this moment. I've been sown into it. And until I can find a greater purpose, which is what we're talking about, the whole of my work, then everything that I do to escape the pain, process it so seemingly I'm outside of it, and better than that is the waste of the appearance of that pain. You don't deny a toothache. Well, we do, don't we? I mean, that's (laughs) (laughs) right. I I had a terrible toothache myself uh, two weeks ago. It was unbelievable out of the clear blue sky. And nothing in me wants to admit that this is the pain that usually leads up to a root canal. So what do we do when we have that kind of pain? We pretty much hope it goes away. Exactly. (laughs) And if you've ever had a, an impacted tooth and hoped the pain would go away, the truth is that sometimes it will go away, but the problem behind the impaction doesn't. So it becomes infected, and the next thing you know, you've got something three times worse than what you had had you dealt with it on the spot. You understand the metaphor? Yeah. The analogy. Same thing with this pain, Neil.
0: Guy, there are a couple things that are coming up for me about that. So... Let me take a quick break to talk about today's sponsors, and then we'll come right back to this. Our first sponsor for today is a relatively new sponsor, and I continue to be excited to bring them to your attention. Because whoever said it's all about the journey has maybe never traveled during the holidays when things can be super stressful and crazy. But Away's products, Away Travel, are designed to work and fit together, making travel smoother for the holidays and beyond. For years now, whenever it's come time for me to travel, I've had to rely on basically the random suitcases that have come my way over the years, which always seem to come up a little bit short because they lack key features that make sense for how I like to live when I'm on the road. So enter today's sponsor away. Away has created a line of suitcases that are simple and durable with important benefits for you when you're on the go. I have their bigger carry-on, which meets the carry-on requirements for most major airlines and still gives you plenty of space for packing. It has an ejectable built-in battery so that you can easily charge your phone while you're waiting for your flight. It also features a built-in compression pad to make it easier to get more into your suitcase. And perhaps my favorite thing is the built-in laundry bag to contain your dirty clothes. I mean, how many times have I been on the road and wanted an easy way to separate the things that I've worn from the things yet to be clothing me? Lots of times. With a durable shell that will last a lifetime of travel, plus a limited lifetime warranty where they will fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged, plus a 100-day trial period for you to try out your suitcase. Away seems to have thought of everything to take the risk out of buying a suitcase. And they have free shipping in the contiguous U.S., Australia, and Europe. Yes, you heard me right. Free shipping. And like our all our wonderful sponsors, Away has an awesome uh, special offer for you. Um, if you visit awaytravel.com slash relationship, you can learn more about all they offer. And if you are in the U.S., EU, UK, Canada, or Australia, if you order by 11.59 p.m. on December 15th for free ground shipping, you will get guaranteed free delivery by December 20th. So for additional last minute holiday shopping deals, check out their website, awaytravel.com relationship. Again, that's awaytravel.com slash relationship for your last-minute holiday shopping ideas and to also get free ground shipping with guaranteed free delivery by December 20th if you are in the US, EU, UK, Canada, and Australia, and if you order by 11.59 p.m. on December 15th. Our second sponsor for today is Audible. What would it look like if we all listened more? You are here listening to Relationship Alive, of course, and along with podcasts, listening to audiobooks motivates us, inspires us, and even brings us closer together. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and now with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even better with custom content made for members. Sometimes when you're living life on the go or traveling for the holidays, an Audible book can be a great way to learn about something new or improve your relationship skills by listening when you're commuting, getting the dishes done, or on your flight. So many of the books that we've featured here on the podcast are available on Audible, so it's an easy way to dive deep on something that can truly enhance your life. You can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible Originals absolutely free. Go to audible.com slash relationship or text the word relationship to the number 500, 500 to get started. That's audible.com slash relationship. Or text RELATIONSHIP to the number 500500 for your free 30-day Audible trial, which gives you one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. And thank you, Audible and Away Travel, for your generous support of Relationship Alive. And now let's get back to our conversation with Guy Finley. Yeah, a couple different things coming up for me. One is... I'm sitting with what you said about being sewn into it, not being thrown into it. That idea that, like this, th- this actually is me right now in this moment. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Um, and,
1: and and listen to me, please, everybody. Because in those moments when my heart has been plucked out of my chest, or what I was depending on for the success of my business, or whatever the venture was, that it looked like everything was roses and suddenly I'm pierced by thorns. I have no future. I've been robbed. And the task here is to understand that who and what you actually are doesn't depend upon something you've imagined in the future that you don't even know you're dependent on. We have no idea the extent of the dependency unconscious dependency that grows over time through familiar relationships, where we begin gradually to depend upon the person to act out and to be what we are dependent on them acting and being. Because if they don't do it, they break the pattern. Mm -hmm. And if they break the pattern then is the pain that I feel in the break of the pattern or is the pain in my dependency on the pattern? And if my pain is on the dependency of the pattern, why in the name of God do I want to create another one? I should be grateful because love has no pattern. That's called familiarity that breeds contempt. Only we don't know it breeds contempt until someone breaks the pattern. And then the resentment and the contempt sitting underneath it, born of dependency, rears its ugly head. And instead of seeing our complicity with that enabling dependency, we blame our partner. Instead of saying, Thank you, I don't know how, what I'm going to do, but I sure understand that there is something for me to learn in this moment instead of burn over. And by God, I'll do what I have to do to get the lesson in the moment instead of reject it in the hope of a moment that comes along where the pain isn't there with me.
0: So I have a bit of a, of a curveball question for you in this no, moment. No such, no such thing, Neil. <laughs> right. It's all part of the same fabric. And yep. I'm wondering, Guy, for you, how would you decide if, uh, if you were in too much pain in a particular, like if a relationship that you were experiencing, whether it was a relationship to the weather, the, um, the conditions, the person in your life, how would you decide if the pain Of relationship with that person was too much for you in other words Mm -hmm. where because no matter what when you leave a relationship that creates pain so you're you get to decide if you want the grief associated with staying or the grief associated with going and Mm -hmm. i'm and i'm just curious for you I think there is potentially a danger, you know, particularly for people who are in really problematic situations, right? Um, of feeling like, wait, is Guy Finley saying I should just be thankful for this pain and stay where I am? And but I uh, shouldn't. Yeah, I'm
1: glad. I'm gl- okay. Yeah, I got it. I'm glad you asked. I go to great pains in my book to absolutely make the point if you're in an abusive relationship and let me be clear, your husband leaving his socks on the floor is not abuse, but your husband raising his fist at you because you tell him again, please pick up your socks and you're in fear of your husband. Get out of that relationship. You're not here to be abused by anybody. The strange thing is that we abuse ourselves. If my wife loses her temper every other week because X, Y, Z, and blames me for losing her temper, and I've done nothing other than just whatever it is that I am, who's abusing who? We never want to see how abusive we are to ourselves by trying to make someone into something they will never be. That is self-abuse. Insisting that any other human being be what you need or want them to be is self-abuse. On the other hand, if they're trying to do that to you and are aggressive, consistently cruel verbally, involved in some pattern of a behavior, drugs, alcohol, anything excessive that way, and you stay in the relationship, you are self-abusive. And you have two people abusing each other, enabling each other, and blaming the other for their pain. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is there's there are flavors of abuse that are maybe more obvious, um, physical violence, and uh, and then there's maybe a gray zone where it's because and I'm just calling it a gray zone because I think people are often a little unclear on like emotional violence, emotional abuse. Um, yeah, but look, Neil, look. but um.
1: Everyone who's listening to us, Mm -hmm. you and I both know there are people who are in emotionally abusive relationships. Yes. Why does anyone stay in an emotionally abusive relationship, especially if they have said, you know what, every time you raise your voice like that. I don't know what to do with myself. It hurts. Please, please don't do that. And then the partner does not uh, acknowledge, let alone attempt to act on the wish. Here's the root of it. We stay in emotionally abusive relationships because it's better to have someone to blame than to be without somebody to blame. I don't know who I am without resenting you. I don't know who I am without hoping, knowing it's futile, that you're going to change. I don't know who I am without coming home and hoping to God that you're not in that particular state of mind when I know that nine out of ten times you will be and that there'll be that tension And that it doesn't get resolved. I don't know who to be. Because rather than go through. What life is asking me to do. Which is to rediscover. Reclaim. My own integrity. See through the co-enabling. Parts of myself. That I might enter into a relationship. That starts healthy. Instead of keep an unhealthy one alive. Because I don't want to be without it. I'd rather stay with what I have. And I'm going to make a giant leap here, Neil. That same mind is the same mind that revisits the loss. Rather than be alone, be by myself with this emptiness, I would rather revisit feeling victimized, revisit what it will no longer be. This is where grief, natural grief, turns into self love. My wife dies, my child passes, a beloved friend dies. If I don't grieve, I'm not a human being. But grief is the revelation of a, a certain limited kind of love that invites me to see that because the person's gone, doesn't mean love is. Love can't die. So when I revisit the grief and revisit the grief, it's not because I'm revisiting a love lost. I'm revisiting a part of myself that loves to feel what it does and would rather feel that pain than be a person who moves on and discovers there's another order of love possible in that very moment. So it's in scale, and I hope I didn't lose anybody, but... That's why we stay in relationships, not just with people, but with our own problems, our own pains. Because we don't know who to be without that dependency on something through which we derive a, an identity as painful as it may be.
0: Mm-hmm. So m- maybe... Um, the this might this might be our our last question for today um okay. not because we couldn't keep going um cuz <laughs> i understand you we could we could keep going for sure and um guy i'm i'm so appreciative of just who you are and and the open-heartedness that you bring to these questions um what's illuminated for me in this moment is um wondering about the fear that keeps people in place yes. yes and so i it feels like that's the that's the last piece of this puzzle you know we where we've We've landed today has been around this question of what do you do with the pain? What do you do with an aching heart? What do you do when there's, when there's, and how do you know if there's too much pain? And what do you do when you're weighing the choice to stay or go, which is this, what I'm hearing you say is it's often centered around do I, do I choose, what I know myself to be, which is who I am in relation to this situation, or do I choose the unknown along with the way that a choice to leave often impacts our family, our children, our friends, you know, there are ripples to that kind of decision. Of that, course. Yeah. So when look, faced with what, that, what, what, what look, where do you
1: what do? Yeah. You do? <clears throat> look, it's probably uncountable how many relationships there are on this planet that have become stale, stagnant, and that basically trundle on from day to day because one or the other, and it's usually both, have just stopped growing. And we're all masters at blaming our partner for being the one who doesn't grow because we can so easily identify in them the limitations that we're aware of in them. Never dawning on us that judging a limitation in our partner and holding their feet to the fire for it is our limitation. So that the question is really underneath all of this do I want to grow as a human being? Because honestly, Neil, we either grow or we die. We begin dying as human beings most of us in our 20s because we're so habituated to some status quo where out of the fear of loss of negativity of meeting parts of ourselves we compromise with everyone and everything just so that the boat doesn't rock and we wind up in a reality that's a dream and that anything that shakes the dream is seen as a nightmare when the real nightmare is the dream we're in because it's keeping us from growing. So we reach a point where we need to understand that the real dissatisfaction in this instance, say with our partner, whether they've stayed with us or left us is because there's something in me that is offered in that relationship, a chance to grow beyond who and what I've been now in relationships that are intact. Those moments come when I'm willing to understand that my partner may be in pain. And that's why they made that, 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 punitive remark, and rather than responding in unkindness, fighting as we do, tit for tat, I use that moment to discover in myself something that believes it's beyond question. You can't ask me something like that. Your opinion doesn't count, only mine. And then when we see that in ourselves, the very revelation is the beginning of its transformation. Because now I know something about my own consciousness I didn't before. I am growing. And whether my partner wants to grow or not, that's not the issue. Because if I continue to grow, I will reach a point where I have outgrown my partner. And there will be no question about it. Not that it won't be painful. So let's say I've reached the point where I've outgrown my partner or my partner has left me for whatever reason. And then I'm sitting there and I'm I'm going, "Well, now what's going to happen?" I'm I'm afraid. And I'm afraid because I don't know what's coming literally in the next moment other than some terrible thought I wish I didn't have. So when it comes to the fear of the future, let's be clear about that everybody. Again, the the context, do I want to grow or not? There is no fear of the future, Neil, without negative imagination. Mm. Period. There is no fear of the future without negative imagination. So now where's the responsibility for the fear in the person that left me? in the great unknown that sits before me? Or is the unknown that sits before me my demand that I know what's coming so that I know who I am and how to handle it? And when we start having this kind of understanding, she betrayed me. He stole from me. What's going to happen? What What am I to do? And then you realize that to take thought in that moment about What's going to happen to you downstream is the same as going into another dream that is just a continuation of that consciousness instead of the end of a relationship with that consciousness because now it's very clear to you. The task here isn't to go into thought. The task is to remain as present as I can to everything that I see and feel in myself. And then don't ask, well, where is the limit? How much pain can I take? You'll know the body shuts itself down. Literally, a person who will really attend to themselves in these heightened moments will likely fall asleep because the resistance is so great. But you will have gained that much strength in understanding by going through that exercise. So, if we will be true to ourselves, as best we know how to be true to ourselves, given a new understanding of what it means to be true to ourselves, then we cannot fail. Every effort that we make along the lines of understanding that we mustn't take thought to end torment because thought itself is the source of the torment. But rather we must become aware of thought, of the thinker, of the planner, of the one imagining, of the one afraid. And every bit of light we bring into that darkness, that darkness is changed in some commensurate level. That's a law. And as the darkness is brought into that light, that's the same as integrating ourselves. And that's the purpose of love. Then we know what to do with our relationships, even when we don't really know what to do when they throw us the curve. Because we don't go running out trying to find another ball game, another place to play. We use what's given to us as it's given to us and then discover for ourselves the purpose of what was given to us and then everything's quite perfect for us in that moment even though there's pain.
0: Yeah, I think the, the phrase that comes up for me that I, that I'm extracting from, from what you said was, well, a couple things. One is a commitment to growth and faith even in like, okay, I'm in pain and I, and I believe in my capacity to grow, to change, to shift and, Even if I'm not growing the way that my partner wanted me to grow, I still am having faith in my ability to grow in this moment.
1: (laughs) Deal. Your partner didn't put you on this planet, God did. (laughs) <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather have my, I'd rather have the divine plan than be delivered into the hands of my partner and his or her plan. Believe me. <laughs> or for that matter, my own plan. Cause that's where the most of the fear is.
0: Yeah. Do you have, do you have a moment for one more question guy before we go? <laughs> sure. Go ahead, Neil. Um, what do you think has kept you in your relationship for forty years instead of at some point deciding that it was time to time to go for a new adventure?
1: I wouldn't. I, I honestly, I, I I don't think I can answer it. Uh, it, it could be argued. I think, Neil. Uh huh. That every relationship that we enter into is for the length of that relationship manifested for the purpose of the development of our soul. And that at some point when we are sufficiently developed, which we are not the ones who decide that, please, we will enter into more abiding relationships because the the capacity to act as a conscious mirror of our partner and vice versa has reached a point where we understand that this 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 is perfect for us i i i, I couldn't imagine another partner and i know she couldn't either but i didn't create that She didn't create that, but we both agreed to go through those consciousness uh, shaking conditions both individually and collectively that bring about what you intimated a moment ago, which is not just the all-abiding wish and intention to grow as a human being, but A faith that life creates the conditions for that growth through our relationships. So that the faith in the goodness of life, the understanding that love is in fact the basis of relationship, allows us to work and remain as present as we can to the conditions where We discover that love, in fact, was behind that moment, wanted or not. Mm -hmm. Then you enter into a completely different relationship with life. And your partner is is obviously a, a big part of it. But now everything serves that purpose, Neil. Everything. Literally everything. In the the East, they call it polishing the mirror. And the the more the mirror is polished, the more perfectly it reflects the world until one day, and heck of a place to end this interview, but then one day you realize the world that you're looking at is not out there. The universe is in you. Literally, your partner is in you. Everything is in you. I don't know how it happens, but that's the case. That's the only way we know what we know and feel and experience about what we see, because really we're just seeing aspects of our own consciousness, and that's where a person begins to be grateful for everything they see, because everything is revelation, everything every revelation is a form of integration and, and it's endless. That's the majesty of God.
0: That's the majesty of the divine. Well, that is quite a place to end our conversation. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe we'll have another conversation in,
1: in six months and we can pick up there, huh? I th-
0: I think so, because just like the last one, I think there's so much meat here for us to to work with that um yeah that i'm i'm really looking forward to digesting this conversation and or you know for the vegetarians you know there's a lot of tofu here to to toss around and um yeah so uh, and i think i'm going to be so curious to hear how this impacts you as a listener um because we, we dove deep into this topic that I think is what brings so many of us here to this, to yes. this podcast. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I hope that at least to some level, people are here because they're in a good situation and they want to make it better. And being honest, I think a lot of people come here because things could, they want things to be better in some way. So, um. Uh, I have one closing comment.
1: Go for it. It is' we We cannot explore our strength without exploring our weakness. And when we understand that they are not separate issues, then we're very close to not being afraid of ourselves anymore. Mm-hmm. That's it,
0: yeah. So, as you're polishing the mirror, be looking in the mirror, because there's lots to be revealed.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And if I may, can I tell people uh, where they might, if they're interested, get the, the relationship book? Of course, yes. Uh, if, if you want to look at these ideas, please visit relationshipmagicbook.com. One word, RelationshipMagicBook.com. And my foundation has put up a very special offer on a page there where you can get the free audible version of the book that I've read as well for the same inexpensive price. So RelationshipMagicBook.com. And if you want to visit my website, it's GuyFinley.org. G U Y F I N L E Y dot org. You can visit that site and literally stay there for years, free. <laughs> there's a wisdoms. There's a wisdom school there, where men and women from all over the world gather every week online. You can learn about that. It's incredibly inexpensive, less than the cost cost of a of a, of a Starbucks. And lastly, if you want, I've just begun. God help me! I, I'm I am I'm on Twitter. Uh, I post daily Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. So if you want to find out anything more about it, uh, Google Google Guy Finley. But I've given you some good places to start.
0: Awesome. That's it. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes and transcript, which as a reminder, if you want to grab, you can visit neilsatin.com slash magic two. That's the word magic and the number two, or you can text the word passion to the number three, three, four, 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 and follow the instructions guy. I'm so appreciative of your time, your wisdom, your heart. And, uh, your friendship. And thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm looking forward to a future conversation. And uh, I'm also just so appreciative of your contribution to the world. So powerful. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive Community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.